Hello, my name's Josh. Thank you so much for connecting with Grace Church. It's time to dig into the Bible. And today we're talking about joy. Would you like more joy in your life? Obviously the answer is yes. No one's going to say, well actually what I've always wanted is to be a bit more miserable. It's like being offered free money. Hardly anyone's going to turn that down. Although interestingly, often the reason we like money is because it enables us to buy things that we enjoy. Joy is a powerful motivator. Billboards, ad breaks, promise it to us. Order this pizza, upgrade to this phone, spray on this perfume. And the underlying message behind all of that is buy this thing and it will somehow bring you joy. We look for joy in all sorts of places. We structure our lives in order to find it. We change jobs, we change relationship status, we change houses, all looking for joy. And how are we doing? Well, YouGov survey the mood of the nation. They send out a survey every week and they ask people to tick words that describe how they're feeling. And last week, 42% of people ticked happy. 42% depends if you're an optimist or a pessimist, whether you think that's good. But compare that to the next two, 40% ticked stressed and 38% ticked frustrated. So our happiness levels are about the same as our frustration and stress levels. We all want joy, but sometimes it seems hard to come by. Well, we're starting a new series today in the book of Philippians. And this is a letter in the Bible that is bubbling with joy. We're going to be in it for six weeks and a lot of what will come through is the joy. And this joy is not a kind of limited happiness that after two days is a, a greasy empty cardboard box. It's not a fragile joy that you can drop in a moment and it shatters. It's not a joy that you can get fired from. It's not a joy that will lose interest in you. This joy is unlimited. It's solid, it's secure. Joy is available. Deep joy. So let's read Philippians chapter one, and it starts as most first century letters would start with who it's from, who it's to, and a greeting. Philippians one, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then most first century letters would go into a kind of, oh, I hope you're well, or be well, something like that. Well, we've got the same here, but it's a distinctly Christian one. And look out for the joy and look out for the strength of emotion that is coming through these words, how the authors feel about these people. Verse three, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, 
and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Joy is available. And joy is available whatever's going on in your life. This letter is from Paul and Timothy. Paul's the main author, Timothy, probably the scribe, but he's well known to the Philippians who they're writing to. So that's why he's included. And Paul is in prison. Uh, you might have spotted that in verse 7. He talks about being in chains. He might literally have been chained to some guards or under some form of house arrest. You know, stuck in one place, unable to go outside, unable to travel and see the people he wanted to. Hard to imagine, I know. But he was in prison, not to keep him safe, not because he had done anything wrong, but because he had been travelling around telling people about Jesus. Jesus is amazing, you need to follow him. And the end of his lockdown, well, it was going to end in a trial. And if he was innocent, he'd be set free. But if he was guilty, he could face death. He talks about that in verse 20. He says, I don't know, life, death, who knows? Yet Paul, in this prison, facing the threat of possible death, is full of joy. In four chapters, 16 times he mentions joy or something to do with it. 118, I am joyful, yes, and I will continue to be joyful. 217, I am glad and rejoice with all of you, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. 3-1, be joyful in the Lord. 4-4, four, four. be joyful in the Lord always. I'll say it again, be joyful. When your comfort is locked away, when your freedom is chained down, joy is available. Paul couldn't do his life's calling, his passion, his mission, travelling around, telling people that Jesus was the best and Jesus was worth following. Paul couldn't see the people he cared about. When, you're, when you don't have the time or the energy or the opportunity to do the things you really want to do, joy is available. And when friendships and relationships are strained, or sadly lost, joy is available. Whatever is going on in your life, joy is available. And whatever is going on around us, joy is available. So this letter is written to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi. It's written to a church community in Philippi. That's a city in northeast Greece, um, still there today, about 20 kilometres south of Bulgaria. And it was actually Alexander the Great's dad, who was called Philip, who named the city after himself, which, let's be fair, who wouldn't? And it was a Roman colony. So it's a little miniature Rome. They had Roman laws, a lot of ex-military lived there, former Roman soldiers, veterans. They, uh, they had Roman traditions, Roman entertainment, theatre and um, games, the Roman equivalent of Netflix. This was a place proud to be Roman. And Paul and Timothy, they were tra 
travelling around, and they got to the city of Philippi. You can read about this in Acts 16. Now, normally when they got to a city, they would go to the synagogue, the place where Jews met, and say, hey, this God who you read about in the scriptures, who has been active in the past, he's now sent his son, Jesus. But Philippi didn't have a synagogue. Instead, Paul, Timothy, and his companions found a group of women who used to pray by the river. And a lady named Lydia was converted, a lady who was instrumental in the forming of this church community. But Philippi was not an easy place to be a Christian. It was, uh, there was proud nationalism, loyalty to their emperor, Caesar. Caesar was ultimate, Caesar was supreme, Caesar was Lord. And so to become a Christian and say, Jesus is supreme, Jesus is Lord, well, that ruffled people's feathers. In fact, when Paul was there, him and a companion Silas got thrown into prison for that exact reason. You know, we are a church that is loyal to Jesus, which means sometimes we will be going in a different direction to the culture around us. But that doesn't have to be something that we're miserable about. Because when we lovingly challenge people about ideas and the way they live, joy is available. Even if we're misrepresented or ignored or outright opposed, joy is available. Whatever's going on around us in our culture, joy is available. And whatever is going on among us, joy is available. Part of the reason Paul is writing this letter is because he's heard that there's some difficulties, some unrest, some disagreements. But joy is still available. You know, when we're called to serve our brothers and sisters in church, fellow Christians, sometimes we can find that difficult. But even then, joy is available. When we're hurt by others in our church family, or when we have to apologise because we've hurt others, joy is available. We're a messy, confused bunch of people who often get things wrong, who have a lot of work that needs doing in our lives. But despite all that, as we stumble along following Jesus, joy is available. How? Well, Paul says it in verse one, right at the beginning, he says, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi. This is what it means to be a Christian, to be in Christ Jesus. No matter what is going on in our life, no matter what's going on around us or among us, we are in Jesus if we are Christian. Whatever our personal situation, our cultural situation, our social or church situation, our spiritual situation is in Christ Jesus. And that can't be changed. When we become a Christian, there's a fundamental shift in our identity. Our nationality, our skin colour, our gender, those are important parts of who we are. But when we become Christians, they're not the most important part. They don't define us, Jesus defines us. The job we work, 
the successes we've had, the relationships we're in, important parts, important things, but they don't define us. Jesus does. We are in Jesus. And if we're in Jesus, well, we're in joy because Jesus is our joy. He was in a joyful fellowship with Father, Son and Spirit before this world was here. He was anointed with the Spirit. Uh, Hebrews says he was anointed um, with joyfulness more than his brothers. Jesus was a joyful person. And if we're in Jesus, we're in joy. If we know Jesus, we know joy because Jesus is our joy. It's the joy of forgiveness, the joy of not carrying away the guilt of our past lives. It's the joy of second chances and third chances and fourth chances and five thousandth chances. It's the joy of being known. It's the joy of a confidence that comes from having a heavenly father who loves us and approves of us. It's the joy of having a purpose and a calling and a direction. Jesus is our joy. And Jesus brings us together in this joy. Because being a Christian means being in Christ Jesus. And being in Christ Jesus means we're in him with all the other people who are in him. With fellow Christians. By definition, you can't be a Christian by yourself. It's like trying to be an orchestra by yourself. It's just not a thing. If you're a Christian, you're in Christ. If you're in Christ, you're in him with your brothers and sisters, fellow Christians. And that also brings us joy. Look how that impacts Paul. He gets this truth and look how he prays for this church he's writing to. Verse three, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. He's just overflowing with thankfulness and joy. And this is heartfelt. Verse seven, it's right for me to feel like this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And verse eight, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. When you get that you are in Christ and that your fellow brothers and sisters, fellow Christians are in Christ too, it changes how you relate to them and it brings you joy. Being in Jesus means being in joy and Jesus brings us together. And he's thankful, what, every time he remembers them, in all of his prayers, for all of them, he always prays with joy. Some people are easier to pray for than others, aren't they? Because some people are easier to get on with others. In fact, some people, it's easier to pray curses rather than blessings for. But no, Paul doesn't do that. Once you get the truth that you're in Christ and that others are in Christ too, it brings us together. It brings us a closeness and a, an emotion and a connection and joy. And Jesus brings us together in a couple of ways. Jesus brings us together to work together. Look at verse five. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day of now, 
and verse 7 as well. Whenever, whether I'm in chains or defending and confirm the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. This church has literally supported Paul. They've sent um, finances, maybe food, maybe clothing, but they care about him and they act on it. This is not uh, a feeling. It's not uh, a sentiment. It's concrete, visible action. They care about him and so they're in him, whatever's going on. Whether he's having success and preaching and lots of people are turning to follow Jesus or whether he ends up thrown in a jail. They support him, they with him, they work with him. Jesus brings us together to work together and that can bring us joy. You know, this week, Rick and Cheryl have moved up to Newcastle as this, as to start uh, the River Church and their team's going to be moving up too. Now, some of you know those guys quite well and you might be thinking, oh, I'm really going to miss Robin, not seeing him around. Or, oh, Ruth and Simon, I won't see them anymore. And others you might not be that close to or not know that well. But, you know, there's an opportunity there for, to share their joy. If we keep in touch with them, to keep an eye and an ear out for what's going on, we can share their joy. Oh, wow, God's provided a job. God's provided a house. Wow, people are, are coming to this church. Wow, there's new Christians. Wow, this thing's growing. We can share their joy. And we can share joy around Grace Church as well. Even with people that we don't necessarily know, the more we get to know people, the more we can share their joy. So find out what's going on in other people's lives. If you're not part of a home group, get connected with a home group. Hey, stay around for the whole church Zoom after this meeting. And even if you end up chatting with people you don't know so well, it's an opportunity to share joy. Hear what's going on in their lives. Share what God is doing in your lives. Celebrate the successes, how God is coming through, changing people. Jesus brings us together to work together. And that is one way of sharing joy. He also brings us together to change together. Verse six, Paul prays, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, that's God, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. There's lots of places in our lives where the reality that Jesus is Lord, Jesus is supreme, and the reality that we don't always live like that. And the two realities are separated and distant. There's lots of places in our lives that need changing and growing and developing. Often there's times we don't feel the joy that we want to feel. Well, we know this. We can have confidence that work that God started will be completed. Those areas in your life which are fighting to change, longing for change, they will be completed. When Jesus returns, you will completely and fully catch up with the reality that God has made you a new person. And that changes the way that we react to each other. It gives us the joy of honesty. We don't have to be a community that puts up fronts. We don't have to walk around feeling like we're a fraud because we're all in need of change and God is at work changing us. 
hey, if there's something going on in your life, why not talk to someone about it? Say, this is an area I'm struggling with. Can you help me out? Can you pray for me? Can you point me in the right direction? There's the joy of honesty. There's the joy of patience. We don't need to get frustrated with each other because we're confident that God is working in each other's lives. If there's people that you struggle with, why not ask God to show you them as he sees them? And hey, there may well be someone else praying the same thing for you. And there's the joy of confidence. No one is a lost cause. You are not a lost cause. The people you know are not lost causes because God will complete the work that he started. Why not encourage someone with something that God is doing in their life, some change that you've seen, some character growth, evidence that God is at work and evidence that God will do what he said he has done and complete the work he started. Joy is available. Whatever's going on in your life, whatever's going on around us, whatever's going on amongst us, there's joy available. Joy is available in Jesus. Jesus is our joy. And Jesus brings us together to work together, to change together, to increase our joy. Let me finish with the words of the prayer that Paul is praying. This is what it looks like as Jesus brings us joy. Verse nine, this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. This is a lifelong progress of growing in love and knowledge and understanding for each other. And as we do, we grow in joy. Verse 10, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. One day we will be changed fully. And when we do, we will look around at each other and say, wow, isn't God great? Look what he has done. Look what he has done through his son, Jesus. Look how he's changed us. And that will fill us with even greater joy than we have now. Joy is available and it's available in Jesus because Jesus is our joy. Thank you so much for listening and may you have a joy-filled day.